Welcome to Level 7, Episode 121, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Season 3, Episode 4, Devils You Know. Welcome to Level 7, a podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello, Agents. Agent Daniel here for an episode of Welcome to Level 7 that I like to call Agent Ben Held Hostage. And now that man himself. Introduce yourself, sir. Where am I? Why am I wearing blindfold? What's going on? It's because tonight you've What's... probably paid more attention to the old sport ball game than your entire life. I can't move my arms or legs. <laughs> Why are they tied to this chair? Because, Ben, when you went to work today and nobody wanted to talk about Star Wars The Force Awakens, I decided it was up to me to make sure that we would be able to let you talk about what everyone at work was talking about tomorrow, which, of course, is a horrible defeat for the Chicago Cubs to the hands of the New York Mets. Yeah. You know, there's a part of me, Daniel, that thinks it would have been a lot of fun. I don't know if it's going to – I mean, there's still the possibility, right? Like, the Cubbies aren't out of it, right? They, there's at the moment of recording, there's two innings left. We're down two. Um, if they lose this game, they'll be down three to zero in the series, and you have uh, to win four. Yeah, that's not looking good for them then. Yeah, but because there's a part of me that held out hope that it'd be the Cubs going to the World Series and maybe going to get up up against the the, the Blue Jays. Well, that would have been fun. Cause yeah, the Blue Jays aren't going to make it either. I know, but I could have teased you, you know, because Blue Jays used to be my team when right. I actually cared about baseball. And when I say Dave, Steve, the crickets in your head say what? Oh, I didn't pay attention to that stuff. I was in third grade, my friend. I was mm. in third grade. But Suspicious. they were my team because they were the only team within three or four hundred miles of where I lived. So why is Ben held hostage is because I currently have open a screen for Welcome to Level 7 notes, my notebook, and an iPad so I can get through these next two innings. At any time, Ben knows that I may dash up straight out of my chair and make and, and just take away sleep from him. In other take words, sleep. In other words, it's it's the chat room all, all over again. Oh, I'm getting get half started. of Daniel. Hey, half of Daniel. Okay. I am a gracious host. And I yeah. think I, I wasn't sure even going to talk about this, Daniel. I was just going to let people, you know, think that I just like to talk and and that you couldn't get in a word edgewise. But now they'll know. Yeah. Now well, they'll know. That I'm a gracious host. That I am, in fact, a hot mess for baseball and a gracious host. So. All right. Let's go. Let's do this. Uh, Daniel, it sounded like there was one news item and then we've got a lot to talk about in this episode. Devils, you know, I, I at least I think we do. Uh, there's, there's just a lot of little things happening in this episode. Just lots and lots of them. So you got a news item for us though, right? Well, A, we have a sounder for that. And B, the reason I alerted you to it is because I, I was hoping you'd go find it. Oh. <laughs> so why don't you play the sounder All and right. then I'll go look for the news item. Shield intelligence report. Yeah. Uh, you got it yet? <laughs> So I'm going to go with IGNs. Sure. Uh, 
version of this. Sure. And basically what has happened is that Daniel Burrell, uh, whose name I just murdered even though I took two years of German, uh, says about Baron Zemo in Captain America Civil War, he does not wear the mask. Oh, no. What will we do? That's our news. He's not going to wear the mask. How will we know he's Baron Zemo? Maybe when they say, hey, Baron Zemo. And he turns around and says, what? But what will the adhesive X stick to? Oh, I forgot about adhesive X. So Adhesive S, one of the, one of the right. most outrageous Marvel comics. Weapon. Baron Zemo cannot take off his mask because it was attached to his face by adhesive X, which is this it, it's glue that will never let go. It's like super, super glue. Right. It never, ever <laughs> let go. And it, OK, I forgot that is a, a major element of that character. So. Yeah. So <laughs> I no <laughs> mask means no adhesive X, which means we're going to lose some campiness, you know. Sometimes the best way to MCU something, and for newer listeners who are, who are just dropping in, uh, we, we've coined a, a verb to MCU something, to take something from the comics and turn it into something for the film. And Daniel, I'm just going to throw it out there that sometimes the best way to MCU something is to delete it from existence. And like I maybe would, adhesive X. <laughs> and I would say sometimes the way to best MCU something is to live in all the craziness that it represents. I honestly, it, this doesn't matter to me too much. Um, you know, we, we've got plenty of heroes who are actually wearing their masks. Captain America wears his mask, wears a, a you know, he, he wears it proudly when he goes into battle. And one of the problems with superhero movies is the masks have to come off of the superheroes so you can see the actor's pretty face underneath. But in this situation, you know, I, it really doesn't matter too much to me. They could have done the mask and it wouldn't have mattered you know, if they had done it well and, and you know, we're selling it. Uh, I don't know if they could have sold the Aziz of X, but the, the mask itself, which is kind of a goofy looking mask, kind of a Cobra Commander thing, but with a tighter fit, a much tighter fit when you consider the glue. But I, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's MCU, you know, it's, it's a more realistic on the screen using real live actors who are doing stuff. So that's great. I, I'm just excited to see the movie itself. Well, there you go. You know what would be make you really excited? Star Wars. The seventh ending inning is over. Okay. The seventh inning is over. That's great. So you're you're in halftime now, <laughs> dude. Dude, I, I know it's the seventh inning stretch. I've been to ball games before. Yeah, and the seventh inning stretch already happened because it happens in the middle of the seventh inning. Ben, I didn't know the that. middle. Well, no. Okay, well, I thought I was making myself look better, but, you know, sometimes things go awry. So I, I think that's it for the news, though. I I honestly, there's not too much for the news, and I want to talk about the episode. So are you ready? Let's go. Let's do it. Mission report. I did have to go all day without talking about Star Wars, Daniel. And that was a shame. Well, I work in an office of of ladies, and I thought, you know... They know me. If they bring it up, I'll talk about it, but I'm not going to, to force it upon them. You know, and I also did not speak of Star Wars until about 3 o'clock when I stood up and said, yep, that was pretty good. And nobody knew what I was talking about. 
<laughs> now, to be fair, I did stand directly up from my desk after a hard days of work and say, hey, that was pretty good. That Star Wars trailer. Just out of the blue. With no context. Yeah. Yeah. Well, All right. Why don't you go ahead and start us off? Let's talk about the teaser, Daniel. This is Devils You Know, which is based on the phrase, you know, better the devils you know than the devils you don't know. Um, because you know what to expect from your enemy. And uh, it's a decent enough title. We have a lot of enemies and we have alliances with people. And one of the enemies we have is Rosalind. One of the enemies we have is Lash. And one of the enemies we have is Ward. Well, one of them we know about. Two of them we're going to date. Uh, the second one we're going to date. And the third is a complete An utter question stranger. mark. Yeah. Yeah. And there was some horror movie vibes that I was getting from this. And then Ugh. I looked something up, Daniel. And we'll get to it. But there is a tie-in to old school horror movies that I was not expecting to see. But once I, once I looked it up, I thought that totally makes sense. We'll get to it. Right now we're in the teaser, though. And our teaser is we have uh, three friends or two friends hanging out. One of them Are they friends or are they a couple? I don't know. Uh, I'm pretty sure they're a couple. It's possible. I mean, they're... They're there. It's a man. It's a woman. They're in an apartment. They're making dinner. So it's possible they're a couple. But they're someone knocks on the door, and it's Alicia, who we've seen before, which was a nice comeback, a nice little return of a friend. And she comes in, and there's a conversation about the Terrigen Mist is out, or the Terrigen, rather, is out, and... There's Inhumans coming around, and what are we going to do about this? And then Lash comes, <laughs> and Lash attacks the couple, if a couple they are, don't really stand much of a I think chance. They, I think they have the same last name. I'm just saying. Well, what are you, their names? You accuse me of being distracted this evening, but I'm wondering if maybe you were Daniel, a little bit more distracted. Don't than come me. against me with your baseless accusations. Top of the eighth, two outs. Here's what happened. They tried to fight back. They really weren't very effective. Alicia fought back. She was effective, but got killed. Fortunately, this is not Alicia Prime. <laughs> what is this? Heroes? I know. <laughs> it's Alicia 2, 3. I don't know, but she's dead. And on, well, it's not the bus anymore. What do they call it? Zephyr, oh, Zephyr 1? The Zephyr 1, yes. Yeah. She's on Zephyr 1 with Coulson, and she has felt her clone sister die. And this is a great development. Not the death part, but the whole, hey, they're working with her now. And well, is, and we now know who she was almost representing when she knocked on the door of the couple, the inhuman couple with one. Does one float? I think. I yeah, one he was float. flying or floating. Yeah, um, he was floating. So and then she did some sort of weird heat power. And and we know that she was fighting against uh, Pointy Shield, but apparently well, she was fighting all, with Pointy Shield. She was fighting against Curvy Shield, right? She was on Edward James' almost side. No, no, no. She was attacking all Edward's side. She was attacking the Eric Craft Carrier, dude. But she was fighting. 
Dude, dude, three, it was three-way fight there. Three-way duel. Well, she was fighting our guys, and now she's working yeah. with our guys. Yeah, So, but what I'm saying here is that apparently she's decided again, the enemy you know, that Colson Shield— Or the Shield, devil you know. The devil you know. Mm-hmm. That, that Colson Shield is the devil that's acceptable for her. She's obviously picked up on the fact that these inhumans have been dying um, after the Terrigen got out, that there is a concern— well, and not only she, that, she went to S.H.I.E.L.D. Exactly. She went to them. She's okay with the devils. Yeah. She knows. And so Lash comes, kills one of them, kills one of the, the Alicia's. Daisy and Mac come, and they go after Lash. And back on the on the plane, we hear Alicia say, he's here to kill us. We can't stop him. She's lost all hope. And really, she's she's snapped. That's our teaser. Well, it's a nice opening. I I, I like this opening. It's it, there's action, there's mystery, there's little revelations about who the characters are, what they're there for, who they're working with. It's a pretty packed teaser. Yep. <laughs> and and I do think just to avoid talking about it later, because it fits well here now, we will see Alicia again for a moment. And she is still in trauma. I mean, she has gone through something and it it's you know you bring up the fact that she's lost hope but at the same time is there a physical strain on her a psychological strain well we know it's a psychological strain I mean, she has she snapped she's yeah. had a, a complete breakdown so she's in trauma so when we come back from the, the quick title uh we get a scene of shield acting like shield this is good stuff. This is fun stuff. And it was familiar stuff. We're in our new normal now. We're, th- we're four episodes in. No, but they, they are this wasn't, investigating this shield. You know what this was? This was totally police procedural. Two cops standing side by side in a darkened warehouse. Guns pulled, flashlights on, looking to find that perp. Yeah, we're not there yet. Uh, we're talking yeah, but- about Colson and Bobby and Fitz in the apartment looking for... Shield. I mean, they're they're looking for. You mean evidence. doing that CSI thing on our whole new police procedural shield? No, I mean investigating starring the zero thing. eight fours. That's what I mean. I mean, this is this is they're coming in. There's a mystery. Let's take the laptop before anyone gets to it. Let's we we have a good cover story. They think we're actually cops and detectives, and that we're here to investigate. We've got time. Let's look. And they. They're finding stuff. They're they're doing science, and this is Shield doing Shield stuff. This is good stuff. They're they're actually out in the field being Shield. See, they're not going to Shield stuff is major conspiracies ran by Nick Fury. See, to me though, that's comic Shield. I'm talking about season one Shield. I'm talking about. Nick Fury of the yeah, MCU. You're talking about the man no, who's twelve steps ahead of everybody. You're talking about Comic Shield. Yeah, I'm talking about the Shield that we've been spending, you know, fine Ben, fifty some episodes with right it's now. The middle of the eighth. So we do have Mac and Daisy, though. Like you said, they're going. They're walking down hallways. They're hearing noises. They've got their guns drawn. Where's Lash? Is he behind that door? There's a thumping sound. That sounds like someone's trying to get in, not trying to get out. This is horror movie stuff, my friend. 
you're not getting tense because you're watching the ball game, but I'm getting tense because I'm wondering what's going on, what's going on. And then the door is <laughs> open by them opening the doorknob and there they are, a group of, well, at first I think they're SWAT, but they're not. They're, they're ATCU. It's Roz's team and Colson's with them, but there's a standoff at first. What? There's a standoff. Guns are drawn. Everyone's yelling, put down your weapon, lower your weapon, put down your weapon, lower your weapon. No one's lowering their weapons because they all think they have authority there. And then Rosalind and Colson walk in. And they start making those eyes at each other. <laughs> I am wondering what's going on. And I, you know, I haven't been keeping my finger on the pulse of other uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. fans as much uh, other than our listeners who've been writing in and stuff. I'm I'm guessing though there's some shipping going on with with Coulson you know what we're gonna call it we're gonna call it Cross Cross or uh, do you prefer Rolson Rolson I think actually is where I would go Rolson um, I don't think anyone else would go there that's not very cute or <laughs> clever but I've never claimed to be cute or clever I claim to be both but it's just a claim it's just a claim anyway. Um, Daisy's not too happy about this, this whole situation. Not happy at all. Probably, probably rightfully so. But we have our standoff and Daisy's not happy. Colson tries to explain it's a means to an end. And this is where Daisy jumps in and says, ours are theirs. Colson, who are you working for? That's her question. It's in the back of her mind. She's wondering, what has the dragon lady done to sink her claws into my friend? It's. And it's into her dad. I mean, there's going to be a tension that's going to yeah. be taken yeah. away from her. I mean, is this new mom? I mean, what do they call her? I mean, she's got concerns. I think that Rosalind will tell her, you know, you can just call me Rosalind. It's OK. It's OK. I think it would make sense at this point since she's an adult. Yeah, yeah. But I mean it I can see the the they are setting up this relationship with Rosalind and Colson and it's a nice relationship. I can't say I don't like it because I kind of do. I don't necessarily want there to be a romantic entanglement at all, but the flirting, the jabs back and forth, the, you know, trying to see who is going to be you know on top as far as getting what they want out of the relationship it's not bad uh, since the beginning of this i've enjoyed their relationship it's a good back and forth that's they're, well, they're, they're doing a good job with it for in my opinion well the one nice thing and again i think we're both kind of in the same camp of, of we're not really wanting to ship colson and Roz. no and, and my oldest did say the the, the phrase ooh when talking about it, thinking about it tonight, seeing it on the screen. Your oldest wasn't the only one. Daisy was not real happy <laughs> when she's confronting him about it. And Coulson says, I'm not liking where this line is going. And this guy is like, yeah, me too. You think I do? So, But but the thing that's n nice, and, and they, they even had Daisy, you know, hang a lampshade on it later, is they are equals. And we might have looked at the stash as being an equal. To Coulson, but in many ways, the stash was comedy relief. I didn't, though. I didn't see them as 
equals. In, in some ways, in some ways, the stash was was almost above Coulson because he was more above board. But these are two people who are doing the same thing. But we actually have three people who are calling themselves director of something in this. We've got director Coulson, we've got Rosalind, and we've got the director of Hydra. The director of Hydra. And, and Ward's doing all this stuff right now. And I I have to say, and well, we're kind of skipping ahead, but the whole Ward portion of this episode, I felt like just kind of knocked Ward down a little bit. And part of it made him a little bit silly, a little bit silly, a little bit weak. Um, it, I mean, the whole idea of him saying, yeah, it's, you know, it's a level seven thing or, you know, calling himself director. And it, it just feels kind of that's almost lampshading it more than than Daisy literally saying, you guys are the same person, you know, <laughs> or close to saying that. Um, yeah, we'll get to it, but. So are you saying that Colson and Ward need to get a room? No, I'm not. I'm, okay. I'm saying we got to check. three directors here and three organizations and three cross purposes. And, you know, I mean, ATCU is not meant to be dealing with Hydra. They're meant to take care of the alien threat. So there is some separation there. But it was an interesting, not dichotomy, I guess trichotomy with Ward, Roslin, and Coulson. All right, put us back on the rails, buddy. Well, Act 1, we did skip over one thing a little bit quickly, and that was uh, Bobby and and Fitz, and just having small talk about, about Simmons. Wait, who was she talking to? No, you, no yeah, we didn't skip yeah. that. We didn't skip it. We did. We talked. We skipped over the details, though. The whole system, and this is an important beat, though, because Bobby and Fitz—they're working together in the field. She's doing the science stuff, and she's no Simmons, as they're out there. And Fitz is trying to, no, no, you put it in the blue bag because biological B for blue for biological, not the clear bag. I mean, clearly. Um, but they do talk a little bit about Simmons, and and it's it's a nice beat. Again, there's just but, lots of little things, lots and lots of little things in this episode. Well, and and since you brought up Hey Girl, I'm going to just kind of talk for a while about Hey Girl and relationships. Okay, well, I'll go watch and baseball I'm, while you're <laughs> doing that. And I'm going to get ahead of myself and ahead of you when I do this. But right at this moment, I've this is a moment when I noticed that there's a change going on in the relationship with where last with Bobby and Fitz. Okay. Where last time we really saw these two interacting closely together, it was much closer to the Daisy Mac relationship where they were tension free and they were really cooperative together and they it was almost like Fitz Bobby. Where this time, again, because of the fact that Bobby's messing with the system and Simmons is back and he's got to protect the system because he thinks Simmons needs it and she likes it. He almost comes off as a – he's got that tension because he's got to protect that relationship. And then I, it almost becomes ironic that later we see that Bobby and 
Bobby and Simmons have secrets together. Well, that's and it, that's her it, tension in this minute, scene. Yeah, she. Yeah, for a minute, it feels like Bobby's kind of made a new friendship, and her friendship with Fitz is somewhat weakened because you know she's flip flopped. She's become kind of a friendship triad. <laughs> well, I, and <laughs> the trichotomy, right? But here's the thing: she has a secret with Simmons. And that's a barrier in the relationship she has with Fitz. But the relationship stuff that's happening between Bobby and Fitz in this episode is even less of a professional we're working together relationship and more of a, a we, I care about you, Fitz. I want you to not be hurt. I want you to, um, you know, be able to have your relationship with Simmons. And so... I'm trying to figure out how can I, you know, keep the secret with Simmons, but push Fitz, you know, give him a good advice. Um, now we do get more tension later on in this episode, where we get passive aggressive Fitz. Ooh. He's a he can be a a, a bitter little man sometimes. Kind of hurts when they, uh, yeah. I mean, we've gone from this almost tension free relationship where Bobby was filling a friendship hole. Mm -hmm. At least with Simmons gone. And I really saw a lot of promise for it. Maybe this is just kind of a temporary thing. But now the relationship's a lot more tense. And and at least for me, I feel like part of it is, is Fitz trying to protect his relationship with Simmons. Because, again, they built this friendship between Bobby and Fitz when Simmons was gone. Now that she's back, it's almost redefining everything again. And then it doesn't help, as you point out, for Simmons and Bobby to have these secrets. Yeah, and Simmons has a secret from Fitz, and Simmons is relying on Bobby to also help that secret not, not get revealed. And yeah, that, that whole thing where, oh, what, they didn't tell you everything? Oh, yeah, that hurts, doesn't it, when that that happens? And and it's just that, that passive aggressiveness that he has there as, as he's, you know, because she doesn't know what's going on with Colson and the team as they're going off to help Hunter which she's had a feeling that something bad is going to happen with him. Uh, so moving into act two, we have again, more, more Roz stuff, but not, not as much. Um, Roz, she's really clever here. She knows what's happening. She knows that Colson and his team haven't discovered new inhumans, but have used Daisy's information or friendship um, it turns out it's actually Alicia who came to them asking for help. And so Alicia went out to her friends, but she knows they were enhanced before the outbreak. And, you know, sticking with with that whole thread in this act, in act two here, um, then we get the investigation with the weird email with the virus. And the other big tension here is... Again, back to Daisy and Coulson. Now it's Daisy and Bobby both. They've investigated this. They know this virus is pretty bad stuff. And they are, you know, getting ready to try and trace it and find out where it came from. And Coulson says, share the intel. Share that information with Roz. <laughs> Daisy and Bobby, not too happy. Well, again, they're used to keeping secrets. This is S.H.I.E.L.D. S.H.I.E.L.D.'s build on secrets. Last season, it, it's not like they shared information with the stash. Oh, wait, they did. Yeah. 
So beyond that, this act has a lot of stuff with Hunter and, and Ward. We get Ward talking about how his plans basically to take down S.H.I.E.L.D. Good old henchman number one, always there at your side. <laughs> and then we have Hunter getting ready to go work for Ward uh, and, and go on an actual mission. May is not too happy about this. This is all sloppy. But here's where Hunter's tension is. If Fitz is trying to hold on to Simmons and protect her, Hunter is trying to hold on to Bobby and protect her by finishing his objective before Bobby is recovered. Because once Bobby recovers, she can go in the field, put herself in danger, going after Ward with Hunter. So Hunter wants to finish this before Bobby gets put in a position where she can get hurt again. And so May says, well, fine, you know, go fine. Just do it. But call me with the time and place for your mission. And from there we cut from actually won't even cut. I think it's more of a fade. But we go from May to Andrew and Andrew is looking at Alicia. Like we were talking about wordless. It's just this quick little scene. And then we go from that to um, the weird email stuff. And then Andrew sitting down with Simmons. And there's a, a nice, rich conversation here about dealing with trauma. And unfortunately, Simmons knows a lot of the stuff that he is trying to get her to work through. So she's kind of, I think, avoiding it. But there's some great quotes here. You know, Andrew says, memories have a funny way of changing on you when you're not looking. Says it's okay to struggle. Um, we find out, you know, Simmons literally says she gave up hope and that she would rather look forward than back. And he says, no, it's, you're safe. It's over. And she says, you're wrong. Um, it's, it's a nice, solid bit of writing and a nice, solid bit of acting. And I'm going to just say this right now. They do something better here than the comic books ever attempted to do and just couldn't pull it off. What's so that? in the last volume of Secret Avengers, Coulson dealt with P, uh, PTSD. P- PTSD? He, dealt with it. He, he was diagnosed with PTSD. He had a breakdown in the field, which seemed very un-Coulson-like. And basically what happened is the author promised that there was going to be a payoff that it was going to make sense and it was going to align with what we knew about Colson. And I think really what he was trying to do was tell a story about PTSD with someone that readers knew and felt comfortable with within the Secret Avengers and within the Marvel Universe and it all together and basically come across saying – it's okay when you have trauma to experience things and to not be okay. And and you can, you know, give yourself time and you don't have to be the same person. And you, you don't have to be the same. And you can react differently because you went through this thing. And I think that was his ultimate goal. But he never pulled it off. Oh. Well, Tonight, and that's Andrew. That, Andrew pulls it off. Andrew gives you permission to not be okay when you have trauma if you really listen to him. It's okay I mean, to you struggle. You could almost have, yeah. yeah. I mean, th- that's a that's a listen moment. That's a 
you, you don't have to be tough. I, I'll be honest. I had an experience this year um, where one of my players where for lacrosse and her mom just kept saying she was tough. She's tough. Um, well, you know what? She had a concussion. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't know it. But you know what? It was okay if she needed to, to, to tell us that, you know, I hurt. But she didn't do. But But it would have been okay. It's okay when you're hurt and you're broken, both mentally and physically, for you to say, I need a break. I need to not act the same. This isn't me being weak. And really, when you listen to Andrew, it's almost reassuring. It is, except that what's not reassuring is that Simmons is not accepting that assurance or reassurance. Um, because there's there's layers here for Simmons. First, she has had trauma. Second, part of that trauma was giving up hope, giving up Ugh. all hope. Uh, you know, Fitz came, rescued her, saved the day, but she had given up hope. And this is something that happened that she was not looking for, that she was not expecting. Uh, and there's a twist in there. There's well, a painful little twist. What's that? And that he says, you have friends here. They care for you. They want you to get better. <laughs> and her response is no. No. I mean. He, he says it's sa you're safe and yeah. that it's over. And she says you're wrong too. I mean, and so there's that. But then there's also another layer, which is she wants to return. There is something still there that's drawing her back, whether it's a person that she came across or whether it's. Um, some sort of, you know, part of herself that she left behind, whatever it might be. I mean, there's, there's no way of knowing right now. sounds like we're going to find out some of those answers next episode, but yeah. Uh, so there's these layers too, where, you know, I can't let it go because I have to go back and I don't want to let go of the, you know, the hypervigilance because I don't, you know, you don't want to have to retreat or retrain yourself. It's there's there's a nice subtext, but there's a nice text as well to this this whole scene. And we come from this. Andrews or Andrew rather confronts Phil, and he's talking about you know there's all sorts of stuff going on, but it gets interrupted because who's back in town? Who's walking down the hall like like she's just coming back from a you know regular old mission? That's right. Is the twenty minute twist. This is it's 920 for that. This is not our our mid episode twist, but this is a big twist. This could have been that 930 twist. Oh, it's just that classic shield 920 twist. Yeah, it could have been because <laughs> it shocked me. It totally threw me for a loop. But you know what? May cares about her teammates and she was with Hunter, not just because she agreed with the mission, but because she knew this was a bad idea and he's doing it anyway. And so that's why she went with him. And that's why she's here now. This is a bad, bad, bad idea. And the truth of it is it's a bad, bad, bad idea. We will find that out soon enough, but it is bad. It is not good. So then we move into act three and may lays it all out for Colson. And they have a little bit of conversation about why, you know, why she left. You can come back. It's okay. You know, I can let Andrew go. 
I can't lose you, but I can lose, I can bring anyone in, you know, with a, a PhD and just a little bit of experience. Um, but not you. I can't replace you. She's his it's right his hand. his right hand. Yeah. And there's, there, there's moments of friendship here. And this is why, I mean, I've said it enough, probably. There's lots and lots of little stuff happening here. There's lots of friendship stuff happening here. You know, Coulson, he feels good having her back. It's like he never left. And then at the end, well, <laughs> at the end of the I'm scene, put? no tie. Oh, I'm still practicing. You look better without it. You know, it's just this, they're joking with each other, but their jokes are revealing some of their, um, you know, the problems or it, it's just, it's a nice scene. Again, a, a well-written and a well-acted scene. I concur. And again, I'd love, you know, I kind of noticed the tie thing that he hadn't been wearing the tie. I didn't really think about it. So I was thrilled. She kind of pulled that, she, that she went ahead and called that out. Yeah. Well, she called it out and they gave us a nice, actually, you know, in universe reason for why he's not wearing ties. <laughs> he can't tie the tie. He doesn't have the dexterity to tie the tie with his robot hand. Or maybe he just doesn't want to shoot himself in the face with his finger laser. <laughs> so it's right there in his hand. <laughs> so this act is all about people trying to patch things up. Colson and May. They're, you know, Colson is trying to patch things up with May, get her to return. Then we move over to Fitz and Bobby. And Bobby's trying to, you know, investigate with the the hair they found. It's disintegrating. Well, that's going to pay off later on. Uh, why is it disintegrating? Because is that the transformation with, with Lash that we're going to look at later on? The stuff just doesn't stay in existence, you know? It, it's, it, it just goes away. Who knows? But Fitz finds a notebook. And I got to say, Daniel, this notebook is out. It's just out there in the middle of the lab. And he picks it up. Well, is it her personal space in the lab? It was in a drawer. This notebook was not in a drawer. He didn't go into a drawer. He picked it up off the table. It was just there mm. on the table. And this is where I'm saying, you know, he picks it up, starts what looking through it. What were the Cubs it. doing at that time? <laughs> he picks it up. He starts looking through it. And Simmons catches him. Stay away from my things. Don't look at my diary. You know, that kind of thing. And it just, part of me wonders if this is a subconscious or unconscious yeah, if unconsciously Simmons left it out because she wanted to be caught. You know, you hear about that kind of thing where someone who's trying to hide their drug problem, they leave out, you know, some paraphernalia or something like that. So they end up getting pushed into getting the help that they need because they, on purpose, on accident, left it out. That's I why wonder, I leave my note- notebook out. <laughs> well, I wonder, though. I, I wonder if Simmons unconsciously wanted Fitz to find the notebook, but he did. He looked through it. He sees things, stuff gets spilled. It's all out of order now. And Simmons is upset. She snaps, not just at Fitz. She snaps at Bobby because she thinks Bobby has revealed her secret. And now Fitz knows there's a secret, which is, yeah, it's again, you know, this is a breakdown here. These are all just these relationship beats Colson and May, Fitz and Simmons, and then Andrew and May. Andrew is trying very hard to patch things up with May. 
she ben, is not before responsive. Before we get into that, I need to let you know something. The Cubs lost. It was really selfish of me to hold you hostage this <laughs> evening. It was. Yeah. Well. The the Cubs lost five two. I guess you're no longer taped to that chair. Oh no, I'm taped to the chair. I'll let your wife. This is like agent. <laughs> this is like adhesive X, man. It's yeah, not coming off. <laughs> Who doesn't love adhesive X? Come on. I love the you idea what... and the crazy, but again, I don't think I want it in my sequel to Winter Soldier. Let's just put it that way. Moving on, though. Andrew but and he, May. And this is interesting stuff, too, and almost makes me wonder about perception of who's perceiving what. Because, again, we had already been told that um, she didn't leave Andrew. We already knew that. And so why? Why didn't? And this is where – why did he? And now we, we begin to kind of break into that a little bit. And one of those perceptions, and I think she even mentioned it to her friend, is, you know, it's me. It's because of me and who I am. It's not jo- the job. It's me. And now we're going to build on that a little bit more. Yeah. So she refuses. Oh, and this is this is the other thing, Daniel. I should have caught it. And and maybe it's good that I didn't. Um, you know, hindsight 2020, she's leaving him, walking away from the conflict, walking away from trying to patch things up. Uh, she is walking away from him. And that's not going to resolve well. Because it's not going to resolve at all. Well, but the thing is, is maybe she's not the one who needs to patch it up. He left. But Daniel, Daniel, that's not my point. I mean, you might be right. What I'm trying to say is she walks away. There is no resolution. And now there never can be. Because, I mean, we'll find out in Act 5, he's dead. He's blown up. At least that's the way it looks. That's the way it looks. That's not what happens in comic books. Yeah, I mean, we didn't see a face. We saw a body. We didn't see a face. But we'll, We'll get there. We'll get there. From here, we get a conversation about Dwight Fry, Daniel. Dwight Good old Fry. Dwight. Yeah. There's a name that gets you excited. It's Dwight Fry. <laughs> they find out that this guy, Dwight Fry, uh, <laughs> the, the phrase, I love it. He's he's IT. Uh, he developed the virus. He sent it out. Uh, he hasn't shown up to work lately, but he's an IT guy. And they say, oh, the killer has an IT guy. And, and then nice, you know, little bit of investigation and into intuition here. What if it's the killer doesn't have an IT guy? What if the killer is an IT guy? But anyway, um, it's Dwight Fry. And Daniel, here's what I found out. I looked up Dwight Fry because I'm like, that name sounds familiar. Uh, full disclosure, the name sounded familiar, but what I found out was not why the name sounded familiar. But what I found out is why this guy's name is Dwight Fry. It's not a Marvel character. Dwight Fry is an actor who appeared in the original Dracula as Renfeld, the, you know, the, the toady, the, the lackey for Dracula. And he also was the lackey for Dr. Frankenstein, Frankenstein. And here he is 
the lackey for lash and they named i they so they gave him that actor's name I, i'm i'm positive that that's that's the reason they gave him that name especially considering the kind of horror tropes from those early black and white type of horror movies that they use especially with the transformation of lash at the end of the movie at the end of the you this say episode. so buddy you know i haven't seen those movies well, yeah, A, they're horror movies, and B, they're really, really old and black and white. So, I got nothing against black and white, but I like my horror movies one way, buddy. With How's Abbott that? and Costello. <laughs> I just got that DVD. It has all four of their uh, universal horror movies in there. So. Hmm. And what were those in originally? What do you mean? Black and, black and white. I'm no snob. <laughs> anyway, uh, S.H.I.E.L.D., and ATCU arrive. They go in after Dwight. They find him. He's doing... It's it's that horror movie trope where he's covering his face. There's shadow. There's shade. And then he turns and lunges. And he's like, stay away from me! And he's got these weird sores on him. We don't know what it's from, but... We cut to commercial. That's our that's our twist in this episode. I I well that's our thirty minute twist. That's our that's our half. That's our midpoint. You and gotta acknowledge the twenty minute twist too. It's a better twist, I have to say. I mean, I'm not a subscriber to the fact of a twenty minute twist. Uh, you know, consistently they give us the mid episode twist, but our twenty minute twist should have been the mid episode twist. That's a far far better um, moment than this one because this one it's just it's there's really, more questions than anything else i i wrote down you know who is this guy what and there's all these questions which is great but usually a twist gives you some sort of crazy answer and you don't know where the answer is coming from necessarily or what does it all mean but here it's you just, know i i here's a scary i think you guy. really could have restructured it too to make it the 30 minute twist they could have they could have so in Act 4, we find out what Dwight Fry's problem is. He's having an allergic reaction to Daisy and to other Inhumans. This guy's got problems. Well, and he very much understands that he is an Inhuman. Mm-hmm. Um, he gets it. But he doesn't really make it an us-versus-them thing. He... It throws it it's an us and us thing you know yeah he yeah. understands that he's part of this group that is causing him pain and he lumps himself in to be blunt with the things that he hates and he hates them they cause him literal pain so it's not just uh yeah i'm on this guy's side there's some emotional stress there's some emotional trauma i think that's happening with these migraines and physical reaction whenever he's around one of our own people and yeah, he's, Oh man, I feel bad for him in some ways. I wonder how much of his hatred comes from, you know, just cracking up, just losing it because of these, these migraines and stuff. Then lash comes and he's helping lash lash comes and gives them the names. He does the virus, you know, and he's yeah. And, and, He's on Lash's side. He is a disciple of Lash. And the thing is, is in the comics, Lash has disciples. He gathers and recruits others to the same cause that sees 
his quest again unnecessary and unworthy in humans as being something righteous. So I am and, curious what we're going to f- – if the motivation for our lash here on the show is going to match up with what you're talking about from the comics. I, I'm really wondering that too because it, it has begun to feel like it's being set up that way. Although there is one question and it actually comes in the end of this act here. But um, he says you should be helping him, not hurting him. Do you think he likes that he has to do this? He doesn't like this. He's just a guy who's trying to do the right thing. I find that an interesting phrase. He's just a guy trying to do the right thing. When he said it, I wrote it down. I was just like, he's not just a guy. I mean, dude's got quills. <laughs> he's He's got dreadlock porcupine quills. But then we see that shadow walking away at the end. And I'm wondering, okay, maybe he is just a guy. Maybe he comes and talks to uh, Dwight Fry out of, you know, out of his his uh, powered persona, and maybe it doesn't cause as much pain for, for Fry. But, yeah. So coming out of this scene, Mac and Daisy are going to go with Dwight Fry to the ATCU, and it's... Mac's a little worried about letting Daisy go along. Colson's a little worried about letting Daisy go along because ATCU wants Daisy, or at least they did. Well, and Colson also needs his heavy artillery. He's about to go after a high value target. He is. He's about to go after the other director. <laughs> <laughs> He's obsessed with the old. <laughs> uh, before that, we have this quick little moment between Bobby and Simmons. Well, there's some apologies and, you know, Hunter's in trouble. And the only thing I can think of watching that is, is it's just this nice scene between two people going through rehab at the same time. They're rehabilitizing uh, one, her mind, the other, her, her body. But yeah, nice little scene. We go then to the scene where <laughs> lackey number one putting Richie in the boot. lackey number one. Yeah. It smells like rotten bananas in there. Yeah, it does get in. Uh, and that's where we find out the Ward's calling himself the director. <laughs> it's a shield thing. Ugh. Ward is being made into a joke. Well, the stash is gone. Yeah, but. But I don't want Ward to be that, a joke. That... And they still some. <laughs> there's redemption for Ward from being a joke still. We're not full 100% he's a joke. But in this episode, he's not making the greatest impression for me. See, the thing is, and again, this joke aside of video, you made a little less of it than I did. But the thing is, is he's like two steps away from twirling his mustache in that joke aside of video. You know what I mean? I didn't make less. Well, I did make less of it because you were saying he's full on Hydra. And I'm saying, no, he's full on, you know, actor who's full of himself yeah but he's he's again two steps away from twirling that mustache yeah well we'll talk more about motivations and stuff right now we get that quickie fight which is a nice moment uh lash comes attacks the truck that's carrying daisy mac and uh dwight there's a fight in there mac dude steps up man he steps up when he has to. Uh, he doesn't necessarily want to take point when they're in a 
you know, dark hallway tracking down a monster with their flashlights and their guns like they're Mulder and Scully. But here, he has to. And he does. And it's, you know, he's outmatched. But Daisy uses her powers, knocks Lash back, the truck goes over, and Lash pulls Dwight out. Basically, this is, you know, you've been caught, you've been captured, now you're going to die because you're of no use to me anymore and I don't want you to give up any of my secrets. And Well, and he does have a lot of secrets to give. I mean, this is clearly his right hand. I guess, yeah, maybe Dwight is, <laughs> maybe Dwight is Lash's May. Sure. Dwight is Lash's Bobby. May, Bobby, Hunter, Simmons. Fitz and Daisy all rolled into one, but he, well, we definitely know it's a super his super Googler. Yeah, but then he says, you know, have mercy, and Lash says, I'm not merciful, I'm necessary, and kills the guy, and then he walks away, and this is where we get this nice moment that is straight from like a, a black and white horror movie with just the shadow the noir to it. And as he's walking away, he's transforming into a normal proportioned something, a human male. And it's, this also could have been our 30 minute twist. This could have been our halfway point. Um, this is a nice uh, little the good moment. old 50 minute twist. But the question I have here that I wrote down is, why didn't Lash kill the greater threat when he had the chance? Well, the he thing takes is, is... out Dwight, his ally, instead of taking out Daisy, who is actually, you know, an antagonist, an, an enemy of Lash. Well, the thing to remember again, Lash is concerned in the comics. And when we talk about could it be similar? His concern in the comics is inhumans that are unworthy of the transformation. That's who he's going around killing. Is it possible that the reason he – because I'm pretty sure he looks straight at Daisy. I think Daisy knows. It's kind of through that hazy, wavy kind of camera angle thing. Is it possible that he's judged her worthy? That's – I'm curious. I'm very, very curious where this is going. And I think you might be right. I think you might be on to something at least. Um, I mean, and it could be they completely redo and have a different motivation for this character. But yeah, he, I still think, you know, if, if you've got a super powered hero and you're a villain, and you got a super powered hero on your trail and she's unconscious at your feet you know, and then you've got your partner. Take take him with you. You know he can't go back home, but you could set him up at another headquarters. Yeah, absolutely. Or you know, in a van, right? I mean, hackers yeah. use vans all the time. Sky did. You know, clearly Roz finds finds her worthy. Roz finds her worthy. Worthy. Well, isn't that who Lash is? <laughs> That could I mean, be. We can. 
I like that. Well, they hung a lampshade on it. She's the next person we see after the transformation in the ER. That's true. Uh, right after we come back when from the they're commercial. talking about it. You know, she talks about the transformation, then we see Roz. But the thing is, is don't you almost get the feeling that we're going to find out that we know who Lash is when it comes around? I don't get that feeling. Uh, I could go. I mean, the feeling I get is it could be anyone like like Daisy says, Lash could be anybody. Um, and then Roz comes in and where's Coulson? But yeah, I mean. I think at this point, Lash could be anybody. I don't think they're going to do like a clairvoyant mystery with him. Where with the clairvoyant, it was like, who is the clairvoyant? Is it someone from the comics? And when we finally get a reveal for the clairvoyant, I actually felt like that was a good, a good reveal with Garrett. In this MCUing of Lash, Lash doesn't do this in the comics. As far as we know. I, I think that the answer to who Lash is is going to be far more mundane than someone we know or someone I don't think it's going to be some sort of powerful figure I really think we could end up finding out it's just this just this lanky loser you know that no one pays any attention to and he's able to transform into this beast and execute people for whatever reason might be that that worthiness or but i think we're gonna get a um, i'm hoping because of the just that body type that was in the shadow there i i think we'll just find out this this is a mundane answer to who this guy is and you know that's that's evil right there evil doesn't necessarily take the shape of someone strong or someone flashy evil also takes shapes that you don't notice and that you don't care about. And And this is going to be complicated evil because he really does. And it's made clear by Fry. He's a true believer. Mm -hmm. It's made clear when he clear kills Fry, you know, necessary. Yeah. He's doing this because he feels like he has a crusade, whatever it is that he's actually doing. And so it might be the crusade to destroy human humans who are not worthy. It might also be a crusade to just destroy inhumans. But, but I do think Daisy's right. This is not the great white shark who's just killing. No, it's not. This it, is. Cause that's Mac well, said instinct. Yeah. And quoted. This Jaws. Is, this, there's a, there's a plan occurring. Yeah. So Colson's getting ready. To go. This is the scene where Colson goes on the mission and Fitz gets to be passive aggressive with Bobby and, Oh, they didn't tell you. Oh, it hurts when you don't get give you all the information. Um, then we go into Ward's. This isn't his main hideout. This is just a staging area for this mission where they're going to cause a little bit of chaos, wreak, wreak a little mayhem. It doesn't even have a nickname. It doesn't even have a code name for this one yet. Well, Nemesis or Omega Point. You get the idea that Ward has been toying with a couple different names. But uh, yeah, this is a staging ground, not not a base and not at least not a, a permanent base. And man, again, you just get the feeling that this is, it's small potatoes, you know, this isn't a guy who's resurrecting a, an international evil regime. He's, he's a but gang. He's, he's a gang leader. 
But here's the good news about this scene. We're only four episodes in. So even though Richie and Ward are there together, it's not like the tension and action is going to build. Man, though, this I mean, was we had quick. to stretch that out. This was quick. I expected that there would be some more him in the organization infiltrating as Richie. But no, it's right there. It's It plays out the way May said it would play out. Well, but the thing is, and, and I want you to think about this. Everything is going quick. Yes, that's true. Think that's about very, very true. This is going quick. Simmons came back quick. There's a lot of quick with this. Nothing's really getting stretched out, which, you know, what is the second half of the first half of the season going to look like as fast as things are progressing? Yeah, I don't know. But there, we do there, find out what Ward wants it to look like. <laughs> he wants to destroy S.H.I.E.L.D. He was going to do this mission to draw S.H.I.E.L.D. out. Um, he had missions and ideas for hurting May. Uh, but the, unfortunately, he had to you know, jump in a little bit quicker than he was expecting. He was on short notice. But he he plays a gambit. Uh, not the character, but he plays a, uh, a, a literal gambit with, with how he's going to get out of the situation. Well, but, here's the thing, and I think we all thought it was natural – in this day and age where everybody's connected to see Ward texting and henchman number one using his phone. You're like, Oh yeah, that's, <laughs> that's just like at the office every day. That's just like Daniel recording a podcast. But, Dude, I am not on my phone. Okay. I have received texts about the Cubs versus Mets. Yeah. Yeah. You caught me texting not, once too, but he's not trash talking me because of the fact that I sent him sadness from inside out is my response. Anyway, there is she's crying because she's quite sad much like me <laughs> there's some situations going on here um he's got people following andrew he's using that to say and, and this is where i don't think i don't see how this could possibly work out good for anyone if they go with what ward wants them to do if i don't call my men off in 30 seconds they're going to kill andrew so may turn around you two can walk away which seems like a lie. It absolutely seems like a lie. First of all, why in the world would he pull his his men away? If they give themselves up or if they walk out, you know, I wouldn't trust him to let Andrew <laughs> just walk away from you know this this murder that's being planned. I mean, they they Victoria may not handle give you three reasons why you can't trust what he's saying. It's called herself and the two guys with her. And the thing is, is, is he he's doing this out. I mean, you can see that this tension is going to build between me and Hunter because whatever happened to Andrew is going to be Hunter's fault since Hunter was pushing, you know, no, no, we can't do this. And, and then he goes all cowboy with his shooty shooty. But the thing is, is really you can't trust Ward not to kill me and Hunter and you can't trust Ward not to kill Andrew anyway. You can't trust Ward to not kill andrew why may watches i mean the thing is is they're in a no-win situation they are yeah, and so hunter, for may hunter, uh hunter may, may be overly aggressive here but it's not a situation they can win no and hunter has a similar motivation for may it's this immediate andrew will die if we act for hunter it's bobby will die if we don't act because she's on the road to recovery 
and she'll be in this situation here in a couple weeks when we face Ward again. And so for for Hunter, it's I have to go after him now and take him out now. But for May, she must... This is the one thing in this episode that doesn't really ring true to me. That May would trust that Ward will pull his man away and not kill Andrew. Because Ward's when whole motivation... It's him. What? It's, it's her. If anyone knows him, it's her. Yeah. Well, and Ward's whole motivation is those idiots in S.H.I.E.L.D. caused me to kill the one person I loved. That's what he's saying anyway. That's what he's yelling from his position inside the door. He's yelling, you caused me to kill the one woman I love. So since you caused me to kill the woman I love, but you've got me trapped in a corner... If you leave right now, I won't kill the man that you love. You know, it just doesn't work. And May, it doesn't feel like May. And maybe that's on purpose. Maybe it's meant to be when matters are dealing with this person who she has let into her life in a way she hasn't really let anyone else. She has a friendship with Colson and she has a relationship with Andrew. And those are the two places where she lets her guard down. But it just doesn't feel right that she wouldn't find another way to, you know, take out Ward. Anyway. She's lost all objectivity. Well, and, and that's maybe we're supposed to go along with that is she has lost objectivity and she does feel weak or vulnerable with Andrew and wants to protect him. And... Yeah, and so it, maybe it's more complex than I'm allowing it to be. But to me, it's like it's Ward. He's lying. He's a lying liar who lies lies, and a murdering murderer who murders. And so far, we haven't seen a change in that. Ward does get shot. There is a nice moment of that end of that cowboy action where. Ward gets it in the back. There's a nice CGI blood spurt, slow motion. And he goes out the window. He gets away. But the fact that he has to run away. At first, I thought that feels weak. And it's just kind of feeding into that. You know, he's calling himself director. It's level seven. But then I remembered. He's running away from May. He's not running away from Hunter. (laughs) It's not Hunter who's got him pinned down. It's not Hunter who's got Ward intimidated. It's May. It's not Hunter who's being blackmailed or, or who's being, you know, tricked into that bargain. It's May. And suddenly I feel like, oh, yeah. The director thing is still, there's still some goofiness going on here. But this running away, he's not weak for running away. He's running away from May. I, I'm, I'm 100% behind that. Pretty soon you start calling Colson goofy for the same things. Come on, man. No, Ward is goofy because he's supposed to be Hydra, evil, and not supposed to be, you know, I, I wrote down Mirror Universe Colson. You know, he, he's the evil Colson now. And, to, you know, he's taking on that identity purposefully, you know? 
that that's that's what's goofy to me. Maybe we'll get some good character explanation for why he's doing that. Coulson being the father figure that Ward needed, but not the father figure that Ward deserved. <laughs> Maybe. No, you say so what you did there. Maybe not. But yeah, so here. I'm throwing it out there then. To you and to you, Mr. Listener, Miss Listener. Those people sitting down there with the earbuds in or the iPad on, you know, sipping a glass of wine by the fire with a special someone. Andrew's dead, right? Can we just pause for a minute here? Uh, uh, And not the record. For Cubs? I just want to pause and say, if you are sitting next to a fire, drinking a glass of wine with a special someone... Don't listen to Welcome to Level 7 during that time. I would submit I would submit that there is no better time to listen to Welcome to Level 7. No, you need some nice romantic music, perhaps something classical. How about the you know, wonderful dulcet tones of my voice coming across the digital waves saying, Hey, is Andrew dead? Is there a more romantic way to spend your time? Okay. Maybe there is. See, yeah, that's going to kill the mood in my house, dude. Well, that's because it's a mood killer, really. That's why. You want to hear romance? Romance is the wife. I, I, sure I don't want to hear romance. To take, over, to take over your child pickup responsibilities so you can be there for the Division series and see the first pitch. That's romance. That, that, is Andrew that dead? Wife, <laughs> Here's that. That puts your children to bed so that you can both balance baseball and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in one night. Is Andrew dead, Daniel? Is he dead? Because you seem to think that maybe he might not be. alive until they say he's dead. See, I think that they said he was dead. But again, we didn't see his face. We did. I think think they want us to think he's dead. But again, there was no face. Here's a crazy theory. Okay. Crazy theory totally won't be true. What if young Mr. Strucker discovered he couldn't handle it and finds a, found a way to pull him out? I don't think it'll be that extreme. I was going along a similar line, though. What if young Mr. Strucker failed to take down Andrew? Andrew was able to escape using some of the martial arts that he learned working with S.H.I.E.L.D. And so young Mr. Oh, Strucker no, no, blows no, no, up. No. He blow- he learned those martial arts next to a fire with a glass of wine and someone special. <laughs> yeah, that's someone because special. that would be a more romantic thing than listening to a podcast about Agents of Shield. I don't know, Daniel. I still think that there's a possibility for romance here. But anyway, he Andrew escapes. Andrew beats up a thug. He gets out of there, and young Mister Strucker blows up the rest or not the restaurant blows up the, the grocery store. And is able to say, well, I did it. He's dead. But there is a possibility. I'll, I'll allow for the possibility of Andrew not being dead. I think he's dead. But well, I'll, they very intentionally didn't show his face. It's true. I, I feel like there's a reason for that. But, and maybe, you know, I feel bad because May's not going to get her happy ending. Uh, you know, if she leaves S.H.I.E.L.D., what is she leaving to? You know, I guess Dad. <laughs> And mom, the the problem is, is 
for me, May's happy ending isn't necessarily even Andrew. To me, May's happy ending is, again, going back to Andrew's words in many ways, May realizing that she's good enough for who she is. And also, because maybe again, when you talk about the perceptions of why did he leave? Why didn't he not? Why did he go globe trotting or whatever she said? Her perception is it's all on her that she somehow did something to push him away. I'm going to just go ahead and say it. Maybe it was him. And maybe she also needs to learn that it's okay to struggle because she needs control. She. She goes into a situation, she takes control. And it, here's something that she can't control. So maybe she needs to say, it's okay to struggle. It's okay to let things go. But, but yeah, from here we go into our tag, which is Fitz confronting Simmons, and Simmons saying, yes, you're right, there is a secret, here's what it is, I need to go back. And not only do I need to go back, but... I need your help and you're going to help me. And here's why. Because next week, everything's going to be revealed. And then my oldest yelled, I have to wait an entire week. (laughs) I was like, and I wanted to say, yeah, you have to wait a week. You're not going to have to wait 11 until we get to a a season, half season. Yeah. Well, that because this is running fast. It is. So here we are. We're going to find out next week what happened. Here's the thing is next week we might find out what happened. And then the week after Fitz is going to figure out how to get her back. I mean, that's how fast this is going. And the week after that, we'll find out what really happened. And Okay. Then... I'm being a little sarcastic. I think it'll actually take Fitz two weeks to get her back because in the week between they'll probably fight Ward and find out what happened with him getting shot. Yeah. Well, I think we've got some good stuff coming, and this has been a f- really strong season. And, you know, third season of a lot of shows tends to be where it really gets its stride and gets gets momentum and gets the character development. And, I mean, I'm thinking through, like, Star Trek Next Generation. I'm thinking through, um, well, not, not regular Star Trek. That third season um, there was pretty awful. Are you, are you thinking of uh, Deep Space Voyager? Not Voyager, uh, but Deep Space Nine third season. Yeah. Um, um, I'm trying to think of shows that actually lasted three seasons. Um, Farscape was pretty strong throughout the whole thing. But, hmm. Yeah. But anyway, hmm. third season, I think this has been a strong season, possibly. Ah, there, there's there's strong points for each season, but this might be the best of the of the three so far, based on you know the first four episodes of this season and the first four. We're season over two. a million down from last season, viewers. In in episode three, well, shame on them. They're missing out. They're missing out. But hey, we've got some viewers who are still watching. I know, and and we should, and I don't feel like our show's in jeopardy at all. Do you? No, no, I I don't. But I mean, I feel like, and you see this more with cartoons. You know, sometimes a show runs its course, and I'm almost getting to the point where I'm feeling like ratings matter less, and it's just, are we going to run our course? Well, at this point, 
we kind of are with with you know we're in third season and and there is reason to keep it going and and get that um the tie in first of all to the movies the billion dollar income but also the you know syndication deals and stuff like that although i do be, i'm i'm starting to wonder how much syndication really matters in the grand scheme of a tv show when you do have other outlets that don't need say 100 episodes or whatever yeah cuz netflix doesn't care no, clearly. That, that's the thing. In, in the old, the old distribution deal, you got to the the hundred, and then you took it out to the, to the you know the affiliates, and then you did the, your whole song and dance, and you sold them Hogan's Heroes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or you sold them Seinfeld. Nowadays, I mean, I'm sure that's part of their strategy for how they're going to make money long term. But the thing is, is now they're not trying to sell it to an affiliate. They either want a cable company to pick it up or they're going to have Netflix do it. And just a quick reminder, Disney has a very nice Netflix deal. Yeah, and then there's also still, you know, digital sales and and DVD sales. But, you know, I I think Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is making money for the network enough that, you know, they're modeling other shows on this. They're, They're doing other Marvel shows or they're at least looking at doing other Marvel shows. They wouldn't be looking at doing that if they didn't if they thought it was a losing proposition. Um, so yeah, I, I think that it's to your, again to your point. Another example: it's not like they ever plan on Agent Carter getting to a hundred episodes. I think we all know it's never going to get to a hundred. No, no. I but mean, you know they plan on it always being something that they're going to churn some money out of. Yeah. Disney doesn't leave money on the table. Nope. And neither do I. I just don't I have any money on, on the this table. Desk right here. <laughs> Unfortunately, the money on the table for me is about eighty-six cents. My change from going to Pizza Hut for lunch today. So, Ooh. Yeah, Tuesdays I sometimes go to Pizza Hut and do some writing during my lunch hour. Is it a buffet? It is. It is. How's the taco there? Don't have any idea because there is none. Hey, we got some listener feedback. We need to listen uh, to to read. You ready? Yeah. Let's do it. Shield Field Report. I know you may not care about the taco, but it's an, a real issue for me because when I lived in another state, it was the best taco pizza at Pizza Hut, and then I came here and they cook it completely different. I don't even know what that is. Taco pizza. No idea. Don't care. Never will. Do you not have taco pizza where you live? I might. I don't know. Hey, <sighs> let's uh, let's look at this uh, feedback from Agent Rico. Agent Snook, we need a, mo- a meme about no taco pizza. Agent, hey girl, you just got to have patience, Rico. Subject, Simmons. Hello, agents. I just want to commend Elizabeth's performance of Simmons in this episode. He's talking about last week. Not only do we see a recovering Simmons, but she's also broken emotionally in much a similar way as Fitz was in season two. I like the touch that she's much more soft-spoken and timid around people. Fitz was also great in this episode, and I liked his little moment with Bobby. Having been through rehab makes him a perfect person for Bobby to vent her frustrations on. He's also much more understanding with Simmons, trying to console her when her emotions get too overwhelming. Fitz does have his emotional baggage with Simmons, but he's also extremely sure of his feelings and is sympathetic to her plight. I'm waiting to see how far the Inhuman storyline goes and how many more X-Men parallels it draws. Signed, Agent Haygirl. You just got to have patience, Rico. Yeah. Yeah, I think she did great. She was very broken. So it looks like I um, the next one in line is a really long one for you, Daniel. Do you want me to take this one too? 
Does it talk about the Cubs? It does not. But this is oh. from Agent Dallas, and I'll go ahead and do this one because you get stuck doing the long ones almost every time. Hello, All right. agents. Well, I'm going to sit back and relax okay. then. Hello, agents. Uh, just an FYI, I am the 502 Entourage who posted the iTunes comment last week. Thank you for the shout-out in episode three. I appreciate it a lot. Since I've missed the first two episodes, I would like to comment quickly on each one of those. Episode one. Episode one, love that <laughs> love that Colson hung Max axe that was used to cut his hand off on the wall. Only took three tries to get that right. ATCU, Advanced Threat Containment Unit, I think is just the beginning of something bigger. Sword. The scene with Simmons on the other planet was just her. The person you see bamfing was just Simmons during a time lapse. It was her climbing the hill. Via Bobby, the dangerous metals have sunk to the bottom of the ocean. She continues to say that the changing chemicals have been absorbed by the sea life and that it's not just contained to the fish oils. Episode 2. The reason for not connecting with Jane or Selvig? They can't know about S.H.I.E.L.D. or Coulson. I like the time Simmons was gone. Yes, for us it was only 1.5 episodes, but for the characters it was three months. I'm glad they didn't drag it along. Werner showing at the end, I think, shows that Ward attacked May's father. And then into episode three, love the different pairings of partners. I like the idea that it is the planet that was shown in season one. Repairs is the planet Simmons was on. Felt that Lincoln's sponsor turning was a little too quick. One moment he was saying, you can trust me. And the next moment he is holding a bat. The episode was a great episode that challenged our characters emotionally. Hunter having to brutally kill his friend. Mac having to betray Daisy. Daisy trying to save Lincoln, just to mention a few. Questions for the overall season and the future of the show. How long can Marvel TV keep Hydra as an enemy? I'm currently happy with Hydra being there and are currently in the background, but I feel we could get Hydra fatigue if we keep having Hydra as an antagonist. Maybe next season, put them on the back burner and have baddies with powers running around. I just don't see how Ward can even compete against Daisy. Also, I can, hope can that... Can I comment on this for a minute? Yeah. How long can we have Hydra around? It really comes down to, are we going to be so bold at some point as to change the contract? <laughs> I mean, part of the problem is, is Grant Ward has to appear because he has a contract in which he's a, a series regular. And he has to be used because he's being paid. Uh, they could drop So him. unless you... I mean, you can yeah, see, unless you drop him down to reoccurring or even guest, you or... basically have to have him. But but the reason I say that, again, this is a heroes thing. Heroes didn't ever have the fortitude to say goodbye to Siler. They didn't. And and that was really kind of some of the problems that they had is the fact that they couldn't say goodbye. And so when you talk about where I have heroes like worries, you know, potentially one worry could be could Ward be held on to too long because we like the actor. We've got him under contract. He's part of the family. Will the producers at some point have the guts to say, we have to lower your status. Yeah. But they could also just destroy Hydra and have him as a solo, you know, free agent or something. But yeah. Um, also uh, back to, back to the agent Dallas. 
Also, I hope that we don't see one of our heroes be reset at the beginning of each season. We had Fitz at the start of season two and now Simmons. I know we need some stress on our team, but maybe something different than what we have seen. I just hope that season four doesn't have us seeing someone have to find themselves again. I completely think that Rosalind Price will turn out to be brand. As said in episode one, she worked with NASA. Given that S.W.O.R.D. is the organization that works in space, she could easily be that person. If she isn't brand, then maybe Price is the person who at least starts the organization. Uh, cutting in here, Daniel Brand, is that uh, the comic yep. character who runs S.W.O.R.D.? Yep, and for hair turn screen, she's going to be brand. <laughs> okay. This is all I have to say for now. Uh, hopefully I'll be able to keep this somewhat short for having to catch up three episodes in. Keep up the good work, and I look forward to the next after show, Agent Dallas. And then Agent Dallas actually has some heroes feedback, but we'll save that for when we do our post-credit Heroes Reborn report. Well, it's good we'll have something to talk about then. Yeah. The next one's long too, but um, it's you, Daniel. <laughs> Subject, a wanted inhuman <laughs> from Avocado Kurt. Well, Agent Kurt. And I, Avocado Kurt here. Good day to you, Ben and Daniel. Agent Kurt here, returning to talk about some Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I have a fair amount to say about this episode, so please bear with me. I thought A Wanted Inhuman was another solid episode, as it was character-focused, but also had some sweet action scenes as well. The episode for me kicked off well with Lincoln on the run from the ATCU in the woods, creating that awesome electric light show that left behind a waterfall of impassable electricity. That was awesome. The rest of the episode dealt with characters off in their pairs dealing with individual missions like Fitz helping Simmons with her recovery, Hunter and May trying to get into Hydra, Coulson talking with Rosalind, and eventually Lincoln and Daisy. More on that later. The strongest aspect of this episode was Simmons' return. Even though her return was premature for me, it was so nice to have her back, but clearly she's not the same lady we know from before. The girl is a little broken, much like Fitz was last season. Luckily, she has Fitz by her side, and it was pretty cute to see them holding hands while walking around the lab. But the best moment was when Fitz attempts to take Simmons on that long-awaited date in a restaurant, which he booked out for months in case she did return. That was beautiful and such an awesome thing to do. Fitz is the best boyfriend a lady could ask for. However, things turn sour and she starts to break down, which pretty much cancels the date indefinitely. Then near the end of the episode, Simmons is checking out the remains of the key monolith and reveals to Bobby that she has to get back to that desolate planet. What? Does she want to find what was hunting her? Does she like it there? Did she leave something behind? I don't know. What do I do know is this was a solid and heartfelt performance from Elizabeth Henstridge, who handled her material with such care and the right body language, too. And don't count on Ian DeCaster, who continues to do well as fits. When it comes to the next pair, I'd say Clark Gregg and Constance Zimmer were the best as Phil were the best as Phil Coulson and Rosalind Price. I love these two together. Both have different agendas and ideals. For Coulson, he's trying to help, monitor, and control the inhuman situation, while Rosalind works for the government, who expects results and puts pressure on her to capture and contain the inhumans for public safety. They're opposites, but in that way that makes them such a great potential couple. Whether it be Coulson checking out Rosalind's car or her making fun of Coulson's hand, their banter and chemistry is undeniable. It was interesting to see how Rosalind had Daisy's photo and used it as leverage for her to capture Lincoln. But when that backfired, Coulson offered his services to help her instead, which clearly doesn't sit well with Daisy and Mac. 
but it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. As for Hunter and May, their material was great too. It's interesting seeing Hunter hang out with an old friend, get drinking, and having to fight each other in an underground fight club situation. That was intense with loads of blood and pain. But that ending, I didn't see that coming. Excuse me. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> I did. That's my emphasis. Hunter killed the dude. Dang, that was dark. But it got him into Hydra's good graces, so I guess that's a win, right? As for May, she didn't slack on the action either. Some guys attempt to hit on her, and she certainly hit back. May messed those dudes up, and that line about how she wouldn't tell anyone about how a small Asian woman kicked their butts was great. With Lincoln, I've liked him, but found him to be a little bland personality-wise, and has never done anything significant. However, he's more interesting being on the run, using more of his powers, and learning about his former AA stuff with his friend. The fact that his friend dies from a heart attack and Lincoln couldn't save him was effective in the same vein of Clark Kent and what happened to his father in Superman, although the quality and circumstances were very different. Hmm. I wasn't too keen on the kiss between Daisy and Lincoln. Now, I'd like to think that she did that as a means to get him to trust her, but I know that scene wasn't written that way. Daisy's pretty easy to read and isn't someone known for deception, say like Grant Ward. Where did these feelings come from? Sure, Daisy's known Lincoln for a bit, and he helped her come to terms with her abilities. But since when was there any romantic interest? As for Lincoln accepting it, well, he's in a troubled place, so anyone showing him an affection is probably going to take him. And when it's Chloe Bennett, I don't think any guy would deny her, right? Right now, Agents of Shields is on a good winning streak, and I hope this continues into the next episode. Keep up the great work, gentlemen. Agent Kurt out. Okay. That was I'm longer than this. the one that I took from you before. My whole I'm strategy to right now. Say it. Well, and a long email is a fine email. No, I mean, I was trying to take the long email from you and then ended up giving you a longer one. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Yeah. Here's, here's the thing about Lincoln. What, where's this tension be? You know what? I'm going to just say this. Lincoln's an attractive guy. Daisy's an attractive girl. Things going to happen. Just saying. Just saying. The other thing I wanted to point out, though, too, before I let you react, is the waterfall, waterfall of impassable electricity. Remember back in season one when we complained about effects and visuals? We really, this was just another good example of how we've grown. Even tonight, Lash's circle eating through metal. That was, that was not weird looking you know what i mean yeah, and lincoln on the bus where he grabbed the two um posts or whatever and caused the that to electrify i mean there's some good stuff going on here i i really feel like we've grown in the special effect the visual effects yeah. department here yeah well we have an email from uh agent Merriam, and subject is no subject but it says uh do you guys think after what happened to lincoln in episode three he would go bad Join Lash or even Hydra. Also, based on the next week's promos, we see that Alicia, the ginger ninja, the inhuman who multiplies from the season finale is coming back. Hopefully she brings some info about Lash or the monolith. And I am glad they are using her now when they can, because she is Adrian Palicki's stunt double. So probably she won't be around long. Uh, yeah. Oh, man, totally. I forgot. That's yeah, we had awesome. we had pointy shield, we had round shield, then we had the Inhumans. That's who it was. That's it, it was, was attacking. Fight. Yeah, that's the three. Fight. Okay, all right, all right. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I like the idea of Lincoln. He's betrayed. 
He's on the run. He's scared. He's mad. And maybe he could, you know, join a, you know, the bad guys. But he's totally a secret warrior. All right, we got one more from Agent Adam. Yeah, you know what's great too is that email that you just read was like three lines. So ah, this one's only seven. But but here's the thing: I'm honored, honored to read this one. Because his subject is longtime listener, first-time writer. Good day, agents. Just dropping a line to let you both know what amazing job you do. Listening to you all the way from Melbourne, Australia. Always entertaining, and I look forward to your dissection of each episode each week. Thanks for all the hard work you do. Quick question. Based on last week's events with the always beautiful Gemma Simmons, what are your thoughts on how Fitz would react if he finds out that she met a fella in this new world? It's not unreasonable to think that she had some other comfort, support with someone, not knowing if she'd ever get back home. Also, we're all assuming that she's reacclimatizing to Earth. What if the place she was in was somehow changed her genetic makeup? She could be on the verge of some Superman-like situation where Earth is now giving her powers. Anywho, always a pleasure. Cheers and beer, Agent Adam. Here's my thought. We're going to find out next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm going to know a lot more. That is week. something I wondered about. If there is somebody back there. I mean, we, we talked about even it could have been a colony or something like that. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very curious and I'm ready to, I'm ready for those answers. I want to see this episode that they have promised uh, mainly because it's really interesting. I mean, there's some real cool potential for what happened on that planet. Yes, there is. Beyond what the And hopefully it lives up to expectations. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode then. And Daniel, uh, would you like to say goodbye? Would you like to tell our listeners thanks for listening or something like that? I guess all I can really say is just wait till next year. Okay. Because <laughs> that's the way it's going. They're not out yet, are they? They lose one game, they're done. Yeah. Okay. So they're close to out, but yeah, they're pretty much done. Yeah. It didn't look good. It 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 did not look like they were good. Yeah. All I can say is I'm glad I'm not podcasting about the Cubs right now. No, wait, I have been just podcasting about the Cubs for the last 90 minutes. Anyway, all I can say, guys, is I need to give a public service announcement here. I need to tell people that if you are walking down the street and you look down on the sidewalk and you see, you know, a severed robot hand and your first instinct might be to just reach down and grab it. But I'm telling you right now, be careful. It's got laser finger. Thanks for listening to Welcome to Level 7. You've heard us, now we'd love to hear from you. Go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback where you can contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling one seventy seven fifty five level 7 You can also join the lively conversation going on at facebook.com slash welcometolevel7 or connect with us on Twitter where we're level7pod. And remember, the 7 is spelled out. Our theme music is The Light Fantastic by J.S. Earls. And you can find that at transplant.bandcamp.com. Welcome to Level 7 is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. 
learn how to podcast, get productive in your personal and professional life, theorize over TV shows, laugh with our clean comedy, delve into science fiction and philosophy, learn critical thinking from movie reviews and more at noodle.mx. Once again, thanks for listening. And remember, welcome to Level 7. It's not just a podcast. It's a magical place. All right, it's time for our Heroes Reborn report. This is something that might be relevant to your interests if you are a fan of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but we do try to keep it short, although well, it's it Ben and Daniel, and so It was relevant to at always... least one person since they gave us feedback. That's true. That is true. And, and so I'll give, I'll give a little spoiler with this one because, again, Daniel tends to go off. Are you ready? Ready. I found the lion's den to be meh. I did too. I mean, it just, it felt like a transitional episode, but then it didn't feel like it was pushing anything forward. Uh, it just felt like, oh, we got some information we need to get out there. Like the trans transporter kid, you know, yeah, there's a the, mystery, I, you know, there's a mystery with him. And, you know, the, we know this global events coming, but daredevil, Batman, Iron Man guy, uh, he, has to find out where his nephew and, and the priest are, you know? And so this is kind of showing us his first few steps and how he finds out about that. And, and the reveal that the cop that's the bad guy also is an Evo just kind of felt like, Hey, we already found out that Luke's an Evo. So <laughs> yeah. And, and, and then the whole stuff with, with, uh, you know, Horn HRG, Noah. He's, well, that was good. Well, it was good stuff because it's him, I think, more than anything else is just but again, it's 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 uh that was a lot of exposition. I'm just saying Jack Coleman is a delight. He, he is. is. He is. He is he is a treasure. Oh. MCU, if you're going to learn anything from heroes, you need to find a job for Jack Coleman. He doesn't have to wear the glasses. They're just a prop. They are. <laughs> uh Zachary Levi, his whole thing in that, you know, He's just he's just there to watch a video so we can see he loved his kid, man. He loved his kid. And that makes up for the fact that he's a serial killer. So, but I would say this is a necessary thing. It may not be the episode we wanted, but it's the episode we needed to get us. Hopefully, hopefully it is. And we are, we're getting closer. I mean, Tommy's being told, you know, he's part of saving the world. We know that the girls are part of saving the world. I think we have to assume that Luke is part of saving the world. You know, all of our new heroes and semi-heroes that are serial killers on the side, this is really kind of an episode that begins to pull them together and give us an idea of what we're stopping with this global genocide. I, I did... I did feel though that this episode was almost a little bit, um, you know, just spinning its wheels. Yeah, it was meh. You know, we, we've got this many number of episodes that we need to do. So this episode, there's not a lot of major developments. It's just a lot of positioning characters and, and kind of moving them forward. I, I did find myself wondering at times, could Carlos really build a suit at the, uh, down at the shop? That would allow him to rip through car doors. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's hydraulic. You know, I mean, I I I can buy that. I mean, it's it's not. It, well, it actually it is kind of Iron Man without Jarvis. 
you know, but it, the whole thing, I like the characters. That's the thing. What, what kept this episode afloat for me was there really aren't any characters or any storylines with the characters that I don't like. And even if there was in this episode, there you're spending ten minutes max with each character. Well, and I do kind of disagree because I do think that uh, I think Fair is a little whiny. Now, she could, in the end, wind up being a character I enjoy, but at the moment, she's just a little too cocky, a little too whiny. I understand diversity of personality, but I don't really need to spend a lot of time with her. Bom, bom, bom. <laughs> so overall, necessary episode. I didn't mind watching it, but if the rest of the series is going to be like this, then I'm going to get bored. But and, if, and again, if this I is just positioning get... our characters to meet each other, but that's what I wanted. You know, I, I'm expecting them to meet each other in this episode, and we still have these kind of five or six storylines that are kind of going all parallel with each other but not intersecting with each other the sad thing is i think that they actually got a higher rating than agents of shield did last week quite possible you know though you hear something that i'm just gonna throw out there you know we're both kids of the 80s and we remember the miniseries we remember the miniseries is that three to four night event mm-hmm. where th- two to four hours of tv was that show you know what i mean um Thornbirds, North and South, V, v yeah. you know, all that stuff when we were growing up. And, you know, this is a miniseries. Is this the new miniseries? Is the new miniseries the extended multi-week thing like Agent Carter? Agent Carter is technically in many ways a, a miniseries. Yeah, and is. this year is kind of like Agent Carter 2, like North and South 2. Yeah, eight, 8 to 13 episodes. Even the summer series is kind of doing that too with like Under the Dome and that. But but it, but the it's difference the is I, the difference is the amount of time spent each evening. You know where you'd have sometimes four two-hour episodes. You know maybe in two different weekends. So like it's Sunday and Monday, and then the next week it's Sunday and Monday is again. Or V, where it was these multi-night events. Um, but you know I like this. I what, one of the things that helps me with this thirteen-episode heroes thing. I think it's 13, but one of the things that helps me is, okay, I have this episode that feels like it's just a lot of transition, but I know we're going to get resolution. And that for me, I hate series, for example, heroes that really end on a cliffhanger and then don't get renewed. Uh, Stargate universe is one for me, you know, but heroes didn't get the ending that, it should have gotten that would have made things, you know, patch things up a little bit more for me in my memory of heroes and how I look back fondly on it. And this is kind of that chance. So, but, but yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. You know, what else is good. Agent Dallas, his heroes feedback says, ah, I can make up a little bit here for trying to, trying to take away from the reading you have to do. Cause I know it's been a long day and you're, Trying oh, to see through the exhausting. tears, but uh, Agent Dallas says, first three episodes, years, buddy. <laughs> first three episodes I thought were great. I've seen the original series and loved it. Maybe having a crush on Hayden Claire had something to do with it. 
I enjoy that they started this new series off with the idea that viewers already having seen the original while also making it unnecessary to watch the original. If you have seen the OG series, you get the perks to the callbacks. However, the, the, however, the CG on the show is almost unbearable. Going from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to Heroes is hard because of the CG. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. just does it so much better. I know Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has a bigger budget, but still. As far as Episode 4 goes, uh, that was almost series ending for me. Everything about this episode to me was off. The husband and the wife on the killing spree. I don't like how there was zero callback to the husband glowing at the hotel as well as the wife going around killing Evos just because they're Evos. I understand her kid was killed by one. It just doesn't seem warranted to just kill people off a list. The two characters in Antarctica, weren't they being hunted by one of the Harris clones? What happened to that? The part with the uncle and the nephew seemed weird. It just didn't seem like it was originally part of the episode. The purpose in this episode was just to get caught up, basically. I will say I enjoy the two Japanese characters. They remind me of Hiro and Ando. And I think the strongest part of the show is HRG and Quentin. These two play off each other very well and seems to be the only two that are written consistently. And I would just say the one comment there about the part with the uncle and the nephew seeming like it wasn't originally part of the episode. I think that kind of comes down to that. We're all, like I said, there's parallel storylines going on right now that are just running side by side. They aren't really leading into each other at all, other than the Northern lights thing that everyone well, saw. And we know it's all connected, but we have to basically get the backstory. So we care so that when they yeah. come together, Hey, we care about them except for the serial killer. Yeah. <laughs> hey, speaking of the Northern Lights, Daniel, that feels to me like such a, a more realistic, a natural event. Than an eclipse? Than the eclipse. No. Yeah. A few weeks ago, there was a, an eclipse around here where I was laying in bed, and, but still took the time to get up and see it because my back really, really hurt. Yeah, it but the, the Northern Lights feels like something that could just happen anytime or also could be created by some sort of you know hero who has powers or something like that anyway i like that that was that felt more more natural to me than the eclipse especially when you're talking about an eclipse that people are seeing in new york and in japan i think usually you know that far away from each other it know? was global well i'm just saying just go with it just go with it i did I did, but then they did the Northern Lights thing. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna really go with that. So anyway, um, I'm still, I'm still on board. I'm still on board, but I've been here the whole. If it's got heroes in it and there's a man with, with glasses, you know, I'm gonna be there. Yeah. Even uh, if I thought it was me. Well, that said, I think that's all for tonight. We're done. Gonna shut things down. Right about now.